Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. You can follow us on X at TheLinesUS. You can follow me at Eli Erskovich. And follow Mo, my co-host, all season long on Beat the Closing Number at Monoir 2Ws. Mo, we are 42 and 26 with spreads and totals here in 2023. One and two in the wild card round. I'll take the L for my Dolphins bet. I think your Chiefs props came home in that game, right, on Saturday night? Really nasty beat on Mahomes over 23 and a half completions. If the Dolphins did anything on offense, he, he landed 23 and he had 23 like mid-third quarter. And then the Chiefs just like didn't pass anymore. So that was pretty rough. Uh, that comes in very, very easily in anything resembling a competitive football game. But uh, still a good profit because I did the high number for Rashid. There was some five and a half juice and then six and a half with like plus 135 or something. And I did the six and a half. So I and I did that one as a bigger sizing. So, yeah, still did very well there. But, uh, yeah, it could have been better if the Dolphins put up any sort of fight. So uh, I did try to warn you about that one. To your credit, I don't know how and I don't think it continues this week bit of a tease for Chiefs Bills, but you made a great point on last week's beat the closing number on Thursday, even though the numbers may insinuate that the Chiefs opponent can have success on the ground, that Kansas City run D was dominant and it didn't set up to for any sort of success, which my bet pretty much relied upon the Dolphins every having- every year. Every year it says somebody's going to run the ball on the Chiefs and every year they don't. So, but you made a good point too. You said fire Chiefs live if they go up and the Dolphins are in a negative script. That's exactly what happened. And I'm sure the Chiefs covered any number you saw in that game. Yeah, I think it was as high as 12 and a half to begin the fourth quarter midway through when the Chiefs were driving. So actually, I think you made that point. So you get double credit. I thought you said that, but you did. Well, we both talked about it and you said, I I think I talked about what they needed to happen. And then you said that could be a live betting opportunity, uh, I believe. So yeah, that one did kind of play out the way I thought, although I definitely didn't think the Chiefs were going to be that dominant. It was definitely good to see in the sense of like, even though there was mistakes, the Chiefs basically looked like last year's Chiefs, which is to say they were fine on offense. Not exciting necessarily, but pretty good. And it's just a question of how much of that was the weather and Miami just being completely unable to adjust to that, I guess, is is on the on the other end of the ball. I, I somewhat on offense too, but I think mostly the Dolphins offense. That was pretty pitiful. Fangio did all he could defensively. He knew he had to send pressure to have any chance and it didn't work out, especially in that second half. It decimated Dolphins defense, like I mentioned, really my bet hinged upon Miami generating a lot of explosive rushing plays. One of the best offenses in the league when it came to that department of the regular season didn't come to fruition in that sense on Saturday night. And outside of the Tyreek Hill touchdown, which was probably underthrown by Tua, even though it would have been pass interference if Hill didn't catch it, really the lone might have been the lone explosive passing play lone big-time explosive play at the very least that the Dolphins had throughout that game. So credit to you. You got your props home. Cashed on Packers. Both of us did that. And then Lions didn't go well for us. And then you did have 
Bucks, I think, as a late ad. Steelers also, though. So it was a long weekend, long morning so far for me already. But if you followed the narratives to Mo's point all weekend long, you would have hit a bunch of bets, maybe outside of the Flacco thing. Because and I guess rookie quarterbacks in that sense, but the Packers domination over Dallas, at least in recent postseason history, would have cashed on the Packers. We hit on that, not because we believe in narratives, but because the Cowboys may be a little bit overvalued in the market, especially when you look at the back half of the season and how that secondary performed overall. And we'll touch on Green Bay and San Francisco along with the rest of the divisional round matchups, arguably the best year by year round when it comes to and weekend really when it comes to the NFL so we're going to dive into those games dive into our best bets so far early week best bets and before we do so remember if you tail or fade our bets this coming weekend Saturday and Sunday and you haven't signed up with BetMGM Sportsbook you can use promo code the lines one word to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses Remember, that's the line's one word, and bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. We'll also be joined by Lions superfan and social media director from the Lions.com, Zach Tilly, to discuss what it was like at Ford Field. I think his voice was shot on our Tuesday morning meeting. We were off on Monday. So shout out to Zach for being able to get face value tickets to Lions and Rams. Bit of a tease. He said... He didn't think Lions fans booed Matt Stafford. So we'll grill him for that take when he joins us in the back half of this podcast. But I have to take a shot at you, Mo, because during our Thursday edition of the podcast, I was talking it up all show long. Maybe I deserve a little bit of hate for pretty much considering it a lock that you are going to Chiefs Dolphins. But then all of a sudden after the podcast ends, you message me saying that it's over. You're not going to the game. So we talked this up. We hyped this up. We, I made hypothetical odds and then you just ditch out on the potential for you getting sick. And now you're here for the podcast. So I guess I lost. Yeah, it wasn't my fault. Uh, my buddy got sick, so didn't have my wingman. It sounded like, it sounded like he lost his heart anyways, even if he wasn't sick. He said uh, wanted to risk it and saddle up for anything but a divisional round or a, a wild card round rock fight. He said he just couldn't get there for the wild card round rock fight. But then he just ended up getting sick anyways, like pretty sick too. It's not like still calling out of work today. So uh, yeah, it didn't end up going. I was sad. I would not have been sad if the Chiefs lost, obviously, because... Don't want to make all that effort, spend all that money to watch an L, but uh, especially when you're favored, I think it's different if it's like, you know, like that year, the chiefs, when I went to the year we beat the bills uh, in that classic, I mean, the chiefs were favored in that game, but the line was like two. So, you know, it's a different story if you lose a game like that, but the chiefs were fully expected to win this game. So going braving the cold for an L in that spot would have not been fun, but, uh, I'm, I am sad that I didn't get to see the Dolphins melt down in the cold. The fact that you're upset that you weren't sitting or standing in 27 below windchill is insane to me. I have no words. I want no part of going to a game that cold. Well, number one, I'm still walking my dog here, and it was colder here than it was in Kansas City. So yeah, I'm still you're out not, there a little you're bit. You're not outside for three yeah. to four hours. Number two... <clears throat> You're just you're missing out, giving up on your fandom. 
in, in these spots specifically. Nothing like a playoff atmosphere at a place like Arrowhead it is very special. Yeah, I pretty much, and I've said this on previous podcasts, going back to, I don't know, four, five, six years ago, my fandom is washed. So I really just root for what I bet on. Also, working in Chicago sports radio really took that out of me. But I digress. Another podcast after the NFL season, maybe in June, when we're talking about baseball. But or if we're doing, beat the closing number, maybe your show will get canceled again. But speaking of collapses, like our beat the closing number baseball show, Mo, the Philadelphia Eagles lost, let's see, seven straight, I think, seven straight games against the spread, six to seven straight games against the number going back to mid to late November, their last cover, depending on whether you consider the closing number two and a half as a two and a half point favorite against Buffalo in week 13. If not, the previous week closing as two and a half, three point road dogs at Kansas City winning that game outright. That's when Nick Sirianni was, I think, telling the Chiefs coaching staff to shut up or Chiefs fans, whatever it was, but it was downhill ever since. And that's the Eagles' longest against the spread losing streak since 1994 and collapsing in a big way against the Bucs on Monday night. The most missed tackles by far in a playoff game this season, at least, and probably in the last 20 or so years, to be fair. But got to ask, the biggest collapse, at least in the last three to four years in the NFL playoffs first round, three teams to choose from. Eagles this year, Arizona Cardinals back in 2021 or the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2020. Cardinals, I think, started out 10 and 2. Steelers 12 and 1, 11 and 1, something like that. So which team would you consider to have the biggest collapse among the three? I think the Eagles, and I don't think it's close. Um, I'm trying not to be too bought into recency bias, but yeah, I think uh, I think Jeff Vogel said on Twitter, one eight and one finish against the spread. So that's pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I think just based on preseason expectations and the overall strength slash expectations of the team, it's this one. I mean, I don't recall anybody ever really considering the Cardinals and the Steelers to be real contenders. Um, I don't believe... Steven Andres considered the Cardinals to be a contender, to be fair. I think he might have been the only one. Uh, I don't think anyone <laughs> actually thought they were going to make any noise in the playoffs. So it's just like... More like those teams kind of were becoming what they were supposed to be in the first place, which is average to slightly above average teams. Uh, this Eagles team, I obviously called it out, but yeah, top of people's power rankings. And, and even if you weren't on that level, even if you were low on them like you and I were, we were all still unanimous. This was an easily a top 10 team. I don't think you and I got lower than like seventh or eighth on them the entire season in our power rankings. So Maybe 10 range, but yeah, pretty close. I think very, uh, very much this one. Uh, I know it's easy to say that because it's the one that just happened, but just comparing this to those other teams, I mean, this was a Super Bowl team last year. They entered as, I believe, tied for second in the markets with San Francisco and Buffalo-ish. It was like Chiefs, slight step down, then those three in some right there. bunched up order. Uh, so... Yeah, this was always considered to be a contender and yeah, incredible collapse. I think really poor coaching down the stretch. Um, obviously have to give last year's coordinators who moved on a lot of credit for what an amazing season they had last year. Obviously some good luck as well, like you touched on multiple times, but uh, still seeing the way those 
guys coach their teams this year easily surpassing preseason expectations i think even though the cardinals did end up going under their win total like they were number one by country miles in terms of like the market for worst record and they didn't really ever threaten that and then obviously you have shane steichen leading a a colts roster that i never considered to be in the top half of the league probably not even top 20 with a backup quarterback and coming to the brink of the playoffs really strong performance from him so yeah i think just lost a lot of brain uh brain power leaving the the building Going back to, you mentioned preseason Super Bowl odds, Chiefs the favorite, the defending champs, plus 600 Eagles. Market-wide consensus, I would say second shortest odds right around plus 800. Might have been even the high point for them, according to MGM. And then Bills, plus 900. Give or take, could have been tied for the second shortest odds between Philly and Buffalo. But either way, then San Francisco, Bengals, Cowboys, Jets, Ravens. Lions, Dolphins, et cetera. Jacksonville right after that. So I would agree. And it's not only the inevitable, I think, regression that we both saw, but to the point that you brought up, it was only still Philly considered to be a top 10 team. Despite that, you go back to last year, only faced two top 10 DVOA teams in the regular season. So excluding the playoffs and They also avoided the Cowboys with Prescott starting in one of those matchups. So keep that in mind. This team was due for a lot of negative variance. And it finally came around just at a hunk, a huge hunk down the stretch. Uh, Like you said, the one eight and one record finishing with that mark against the number. And then you have the AJ Brown drama. Who knows if he was actually unable to play or just didn't want to play in the wild card game, potentially Nick Sirianni out as Eagles coach, James Bradbury, by the way, I want to give a quick shout out. Not that he listened to the podcast in any fashion or has listened to the podcast, uh, maybe a second, just on accident, Debo Samuel calling out James Bradbury after the Super Bowl or after the NFC championship game last year, saying that Bradbury was absolutely cooked and, Took a step back for one of his co's comments about Darius Slay, but then said Bradbury is nothing left. And we saw it once Bradbury had to play outside of Nickelback and when the Eagles couldn't get pressure this year, what he looked like. And it showed yesterday, especially against the Bucs. Yeah, I think that was big, obviously. Like they got great play out of their secondary last year. And uh, Darius Slay, not the man he used to be at this point. I think that's fair, but he's just like still okay, at least I think. Bradbury is just completely toasted and he was a very good corner for many years. Like, but you know, it happens like it's done. And I think he just, he's pretty much done, but uh, yeah, it was sad to see. Cause I was a Bradbury fan back to his Carolina days. I'm going to give out a, an award on the spot to Nick Sirianni being the biggest betting D bag NFL coaching wise this season. And he, disagreements there absolutely not that guy is i don't know i i'm not, i don't even want to like get into it but like that 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 thing he did at, at kansas city after like you're that excited that mvs dropped the game-winning touchdown like you think that makes <laughs> you a good coach stop i mean we saw it they quit on him down the stretch 
Was it? It was a closer game until, I mean, Jalen Hurts played like crap too, especially taking that safety in the end zone. Even though he didn't hold on to the ball, it wound up being a safety, whether it was holding or intentional grounding, whatever the call was. And no, A.J. Brown didn't help, but Hurts didn't play a good game, didn't play a clean game by any stretch. Maybe he was impacted by the finger, but he seemed like he was hitting on some of those explosive plays, didn't play with a glove either. That's That was one of the reasons I was on the brink of firing a Bucks bat. You mentioned I had Tampa Bay. I also had a few losers, Steelers, Lions, Dolphins over the weekend, had Packers, so wound up two and three with my wildcard bets. You calling me out in our pre-show meeting earlier today. I have not called you out once this season, so I would just like to say that, but I digress. Any final words on cooking Nick Sirianni here before we get out? And also, how about the, if we're talking about specific moments, Sirianni mouthing to Pete Carroll on that Monday night game in Seattle. Like, what are you doing, bro? Acting like a complete like college bro. And then they lose the game. It was on the challenge flag, whatever. I think he challenged it or whatever the Carol threw the red flag when it was clearly uh, not going to get flipped. The call wasn't going to get reversed. Right. Yeah. I would just say, I think a lot of people might be ready to buy into a, a bounce back next year at a lower price on the Eagles. I wouldn't be, um, combination of like i said the brain power going out the window and not coming back presumably i mean i guess we'll see if they make any changes on the staff but you combine that with i don't think jalen hurts is a very good quarterback there was people talking him up as a top five quarterback like respected people i thought that was ridiculous i'm not even sure if he's in the top 10 he was propped up by an incredible supporting cast last year and like you said, and they didn't play any good defenses, obviously got lucky in, in multiple senses. Um, yes, he played great in the Super Bowl. That was one game. He made multiple low percentage throws. Hats off to him. But that was one game. And we saw this year like. The combination. So Jason Kelsey gone. I, I think that's going to be big. He's still a well above average performer for them this year. Like I said, losing those coordinators. Um and having a lot to fix in the secondary, I just wouldn't be that excited to bet Philly next year. That That's just basically what I'm getting at. I, I think some people will be, but I, I wouldn't be. No, I'm right there with you. And I gotta say, it was pretty sweet if that was Jason Kelsey's last game, and that's the game the Eagles got stopped on the tush push. One of the few. Yeah, I mean, it happened every now and then, but yeah, I mean, if anybody's going to stop it, you would believe it would be Vita Vea. He got low, and that's, um, I'm not going to sing the song, but you get the reference. All right, let's get into our divisional round bets, four bets, before we are joined by the aforementioned Lions superfan, Zach Tilly. We'll grill him because I am going opposite of his Detroit Lions second tease on the podcast. I like that. Biggest D-bag coach betting award, or however you want to frame it. That probably wasn't framed super well, but you get the point, right? You like that? Not a Sirianni fan. I hate him. Least favorite coach. And I, it's not like we lost from a betting stamp, but it's not like we were firing the Eagles as favorites down the stretch. Not that we saw it coming, but we saw a little bit of the writing on the wall entering this season. So, and you as a Chiefs fan, that's the one time I'll side with you. This, you know, Patrick Mahomes is a crybaby in his own right, but I hate Nick Sirianni even more, which is. A little bit surprising. I don't know if I would have had that take entering the year. But that's enough. That's enough Philly hate 
for one show before we alienate half of our audience that are probably Eagles fans. Texans at Ravens, the first game on Saturday afternoon on the four-game card in the divisional round. Ravens sitting as around a nine-point home favorite, eight and a half, nine and a half on a shop or two, but pretty much nine is the consensus point spread favoring Baltimore. Total of 44 and a half. This total dipping from 45 and a half where it opened on Monday afternoon, Monday night. And this is going to be a rematch of the week one game. C.J. Stroud's NFL debut, Ravens double-digit win, cover. I don't know how much you could take from that game necessarily just because it was Stroud's first career NFL start. So I'm kind of kind of dive past that game or skip past that game when it comes to my handicap. But I wound up firing under 45 and a half. So I got the best of the number when it comes to that total. I did not get the best of the number when it comes to by a slim margin for my second bet divisional weekend. And those will probably be my only two bets on the divisional playoff card. But looking at Houston, first and foremost, one of five underdogs in NFL playoff history to win outright by 30 plus points since the merger, not including Super Bowls. Texans winning by 30 plus against Cleveland, 45 to 14 as two point dogs, one and a half at some shops. And the Eagles were one of the other teams close plus three against Minnesota, believe it or not, in the NFC championship game. The Giants plus two and a half against Minnesota in the 01 title game. So cover your eyes or ears, Vikings fans, for those two games. The Minnesota plus six and a half at the Saints in the 90, 1988 wildcard round. And then Dallas against the Rams in the NFC title game going back to the 70s, I think, as six and a half point road dogs and wind speeds are the first part of my handicap here wind speed projections are around 16 to 20 miles per hour and you look at the texans offense outdoors versus indoors this year which they put up that super efficient and hyper explosive game against a brown secondary for some reason deciding to go more zone coverage than man-to-man. And that was a team that played a ton of man coverage, one of the highest man coverage rates in the NFL defensively this season. And the Texans averaging 3.9 points per game fewer on the road in 2023, outdoors versus indoors. And this is a Ravens defense that allowed the fourth fewest EPA per play from week seven onward. That includes that Lions game, or it starts with the Lions game against one of the more explosive offenses in the NFL, a game that similar-ish to this one, that was a quarterback in Jared Goff that struggles in poor conditions, windy game in that week seven matchup. C.J. Stroud, if you go back to the wild card round, 12.7 yards per attempt against the Browns, three touchdowns. And I mentioned the Browns coverage rates. For some reason, going zone coverage where Stroud excels, 11th highest accuracy rating against zone this season. And the Ravens have used a two- man high coverage scheme so essentially man to man at the seventh highest clip in the league and mcdonald believe it or not you would think and i thought going into the game that he would be a little more reliant on zone coverage but that nugget makes you think otherwise and baltimore also the most creative one of the more creative defenses in the nfl when it comes to mixing up their coverage at the line of scrimmage versus post snap and i think stroud even though this isn't his first start like it was in week one will be a bit more confused Wind is also going to play against this Ravens passing attack, despite the fact that there are some holes in the Texans secondary. And that boils back to, well, the Texans have one of the best rushing defenses, allowing the lowest rushing success rate in the NFL this season. 
And the Ravens have a bottom four, bottom five pace in the NFL. So to me, a lot plays towards the under, and I would still play it at under 44 and a half here. Mo, take on the spread total in the divisional round opener. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised you like the under, actually. I was leaning the other way here. Um, something I've been doing down the stretch, betting a lot of Ravens overs, uh, it was right. Uh, they were pretty much a dead over team for the second half of the season. Seven of their final 10 games went over. Most of them were not close. Six of those games were north of 50 points being scored. Ravens have been passing quite a bit with Munkin, something you talked about basically from square one this season, which I was a bit skeptical of. And I think I was right to be skeptical of. It didn't work all that well for quite some time. And then they seemed to kind of get it together back half of the season. Um, I think, so the weather angle is interesting here. I think it might be a little overstated if you look at, the forecast, because I wrote the forecast article today for the for the site today, it looks like most of the wind is going to be earlier and it's going to be calm later. And with this game starting at 430, you're kind of straddling the line of like whether the later forecast or the earlier forecast is going to be impacting this game the most. Could be a live betting opportunity if it's windy early and then calms down. Uh, so that's something to look out for. Also, in general, I think the Ravens D, like I have been saying all year, has faced a pretty dreamy set of quarterbacks. I think it's a bit overrated. And we do see both teams, like I said, passing the ball quite a bit lately. The Texans leaned really hard into the passing game against the Browns. They kind of got away from the three yards and a cloud of dust they were doing against Indy in their last game, and we know the Ravens are heavier on pass. They were above average in pass rate over expectation. It wasn't by a lot. I want to counter that. Not did that, finish 10th. Not that you're 100% right, and we touched on this from the get-go of the season, like you alluded to, that they throw a lot more, and they have thrown a lot more under Munkin than Greg Roman. By the way, good luck to Justin Fields' receivers if the Bears hire Greg Roman as their offensive coordinator next year, even though he'll make him be able to manufacture a ton more rushing yeah, plays. Yeah, people hate on Greg Roman too much. He did a great job there. Yeah, there's like a ceiling on playing that way because right. you need to throw the ball to win in the playoffs. But they did a great job designing an offense that fit Lamar's strengths, which he has gotten better as a passer, I would say. So it, it makes sense maybe to move away from that now and you want the longevity factor. But but initially, they did a very good job de designing the offense for him. I just found it funny that Des Bryant called out Greg Roman on X yesterday, last night, saying that the Bears receivers should go ahead and request trades if Greg Roman is hired. So that was funny. But yeah, I'm with you. I mean, he can absolutely, probably one of the best hires the Bears can make for fields when it comes to getting the most out of Fields' legs, to put it bluntly, next season. But Ravens' bottom five when it came to passing rate plus pass rate over expectation. So that's the only point that I wanted to bring up. Yes, you're right that the Ravens have thrown it a lot more than they did last year. We both heavily agree with that notion, but they still do run the ball at a pretty high clip. Yeah, they do, but... 
when you have a positive pass rate over expectation, I think that's telling us something. And also, I think some of that's just regular season, you know, just going through the motions, getting through these games, especially when they have some big leads. Um, you do have a Houston team that is good at stopping the run, but like you said, the secondary has been shredded at times. On the other hand, like I, I get where you're coming from in some senses, particularly when I'm looking at this Texans offense and the playmakers they have. This is a different spot from the Browns game. That was at home. That was indoors. This is on the road. This is outside. And this is no Noah Brown. And I'm seeing John Mechie penciled in as WR2. That is not a good situation, okay? You basically have two above par weapons at this point. It's Schultz, it's Nico, and that's it. That worries me. Just having a one-dimensional, basically, offense against a defensive coordinator like this, it's just not, not something I'd be excited for. To me, the spread looks pretty close i would lean to the texans i i just i just haven't been as impressed as everybody else by the ravens it hasn't resulted in me like fading them a bunch really i've mostly thought the market was like pretty much right on most of their games but i i would lean a little bit to the texans i just think cj stroud is so good that maybe he can cover a number like this it's still a lot of points but I, I do kind of think the over, but I don't know, man. You make good points as well. So I maybe this is just going to be a stay away. I'm not that excited for a, betting a lot of these games this weekend. And last weekend, I had a lot more bets than I thought I would. But it might not be very heavy this week for me. Yeah, I went into last weekend thinking I would only have the two Dolphins and Packers, and then I wind up firing five. And what could it could have been worse? Two and three, I'll take with the Packers result being a bigger play for me. But yeah, I think I'm really going to only have two bets, including the under in this game. You brought up good points too, just depending on how the game plays out early on when the win potentially dies down. But I, I do think the notion that some betters may have in terms of Baltimore's prep going back to 2019 when the Ravens lost in the divisional round, I think that's going to be widely over-exaggerated. Like, if you go back to that loss to the Titans coming by double digits, Ravens losing 3 nothing when it came to the turnover differential, 0-4 on fourth down, some high-variance plays that didn't go their way. And prep-wise, you know the Ravens are going to be ready for this game. That's not to say that the Texans won't cover but I'm going to be looking at a Ravens teaser like here if this gets into the eight and a half range with Houston. One book may have it, but it's juiced at Ravens minus eight and a half, minus 15, 20, something like that. Yeah, I, that, that makes sense to me. That That's probably the thing I would most be inclined to bet in this game. I was thinking after you said that, would there be any anything on Texans team total under? But... Well, then just play I, the under. The number is going to be so low. Like, it's like going to be like 18 or something like that. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you that the Ravens prep is going to be strong here. They've had some time to prepare. They've known the Texans won since Saturday, obviously. So, And they've been prepping for both teams. Yeah. They know Joe Flacco pretty well. And this team, like I said, they're so one-dimensional on offense. And and the defense has been so beatable all year. Although I 
I will say the secondary has been playing better in some recent games. Stingley has been playing very well, and uh, Steven Nelson's always been a solid corner. So they, they do have some solid players. You brought up the point, though, Nico Collins being your wide receiver one, whether you have a defensive coordinator to Mike McDonald rotating the safety over the top, or if he trusts Humphrey in tight man-to-man coverage, which is that high coverage look that I was talking about, high man coverage, going back to the Ravens running that at the seventh highest clip in the NFL this season. I think they'll shut him down. And then you have Noah Brown and a pretty below average Texans receiving core after that in outdoor elements. I trust the Ravens. I don't trust them to necessarily cover the number. I do really like the under pace wise and element wise, even though the Ravens should get some explosive passing plays against the Texans onto the second divisional matchup Packers at Niners, San Francisco, a nine and a half point favorite at home. And by the way, quick last point on the Ravens praying my Ravens 25 to one. Futures ticket from May gets to the conference championship. I don't think I'm going to hedge, but hope it gets there at the least. So San Francisco, about a double digit home favorite total, but anywhere between 49 and a half and 50 and a half. And it's gone up pretty much at every shot from 49 and a half where it opened. This is top two, top two EPA per play offenses since week nine, Mo. So what's your handicap of the first leg of the NFC divisional matchups. Not a whole lot to say on this one. I I definitely thought the number was good. Um, The total I'm leaning a little bit to the under just because even though I like, so wonder how the Packers are going to get a single stop, but just because I think, especially looks like it could be a lot of rain in this game. Dude, I just think we're just going to be seeing so much Christian McCaffrey, especially the way this Packers team has played against the run this year. It's I wonder about McCaffrey overs, any sort of McCaffrey props. I know the numbers are going to be big, but I really think there are going to be a lot of holes running the ball here for the Niners. It's interesting when you look at how the Packers played that last game against Dallas. So... My co-host on Gridiron Gamble, Rich Ryan, who does some editing as well for us, is uh, this guy had it nailed, man. He said Packers are going to come out in 12. They're going to play a lot of 12 and try to bully this weaker, lighter Cowboys defense. That's exactly what they did. I'm wondering if that's going to be the same game plan here as well because the 49ers have been beaten on the ground at times. We saw it with even teams like the Cardinals did a really good job running the ball on them. The metrics are pretty weak for them on that side. It's not a, it's not a front that I think is built to stuff the run. It's definitely a front where they, they built everything with an eye to rushing the passer, which is right, I think, especially when you're going to have a lot of leads like the 49ers. You do have a Packers team, though, that did maybe lose Jair Alexander. I, I don't know what is going to happen there. I'm seeing that he re-aggravated his ankle, did not come back in the game. They probably need him. I mean, you think? I know I just said the 49ers are going to be running the ball a lot, but <laughs> when they do pass the ball, this Packers defense already is not good. Like, yeah, I, I don't know how they're going to get stops in this game. They have a massive coaching mismatch against them here. Joe Barry, one of, even though I will say he did a great job prepping for that Dallas game. 
Their last defense, three weeks of the season, going back to the week 17, week 16, went over maybe Minnesota. So really just three weeks, but he's been, he's been great. Whether it's blitz packages or really just confusing the quarterback. We saw Prescott, granted Prescott's postseason woes to an extent continue, but still really well scripted on that side of the ball against Dallas for sure. Yeah, I mean, they were just, they looked ready, had scouted everything Dallas wanted to do. I know the guy gets dumped on a lot and by me at times for sure. Like I have not been impressed by him most of his career in Green Bay, but he has done a good job. But man, this is a different beast. I mean, this is the Kyle Shanahan offense. This is Kyle Shanahan with time to prepare. I'm I'm worried about what's going to happen to this Packers defense. And I was thinking about, okay, can you look at 49ers team total over? I bet this multiple times this year, especially later in the season. It kept coming in. But the number is going to be like 30. So I don't know, man. That's a lot. <laughs> so You want to talk about a high or at least a steep price? Christian McCaffrey, his anytime touchdown prop, absurd in a high total game. Oh, yeah. It's usually around minus 170 minus 200 so i saw some minus 300s ahead of the ravens game i've seen some 250s i can't say i've ever seen a 300 but yeah that's like a college number obviously but uh (laughs) this yeah i just i just struggle to see how the packers can have success I, i mean i was struggling to see how they could have success on defense against dallas but i at least saw a path for like getting the Cowboys in some long yardage to go and pressuring Dak, make him throw off platform. His arm is not very good by NFL standards. He's always had trouble with making plays like that. And it's kind of the way it worked out. Got it, got them in a negative script. We're able to get pressure, but this is the 49ers, man. I mean, they have answers for everything. You just have to play a great game basically. And I just don't know if that's, that's, available for the Packers, man. This is not a good defense. Right. I pretty much have everything down to a T that you do. So really quickly, just going back to that Dallas game before the half, before the Cowboys put up a touchdown to make it a three score deficit, two punts, two picks, one being returned for a touchdown by Darnell Savage. Very unlikely that the 49ers go two punts, two picks on their first four possessions of the first half against this Green Bay defense, especially because Purdy ranks a lot better. I think a top two quarterback rating against zone coverage this year. This is a much different script for me defensively and offensively for Green Bay than what we saw against the Cowboys. You mentioned Rich Ryan, shout out to him for saying that the Packers are going to be able to run a lot of 12 personnel and do it in dominant fashion. But script also allowed them to do that. Not saying it's going to be a blot in the first half, but I think San Francisco's going to put up points against this very exploitable Packers run D, which you've definitely hit on as well. Maybe a little bit of Packers revenge. I know a lot at stake for both teams. And Green Bay has lost a bunch to San Francisco in the playoffs. NFC title game a few years ago, going back to, what, two years ago, Packers were the number one overall seed. Lose to San Francisco. Robbie Gold kills Packers fans yet again. Bears haven't done in that a while, but he still had some memorable moments against Green Bay. 49ers defense is also healthier than it's been late in the season. So I know San Francisco ranked back end, back half of the league in a lot of defensive categories in the latter half of the season, especially weeks 12 onward, but are week 12 onward? Armstead being back on that defensive line is huge. You're also getting Gibson, a healthy Gibson in the secondary. So... I think the script favors San Francisco 
juxtaposed to it favoring Jordan Love in a big way. Not to say that he isn't on the path to being an above average to an elite quarterback year by year in the NFL annually. I just don't, weather-wise too, also that could play a factor. You touched on that from the get-go of this handicap. But I think we're on the same page. Not necessarily going to lay it with San Francisco, but hard to get behind the Packers number here. Yeah, I think the only thing I would say maybe is uh, I might look for a Brock Purdy under, maybe attempts under. Like I think he could be very efficient when he does throw, but I just see them running the ball a lot and with a lot of success here. And and and, and dude, the, we just saw them in a huge game have a huge implosion in their passing game. I don't think they want to even put themselves in that situation when they don't need to, which I, I don't think they will in this spot. So I Remember might look the to NFC some Brock title Purdy game? unders. Yeah, I, I was w- going to say that. Yep. that. That one game where they passed 12 times or whatever. Like we, <laughs> This could look like that. Very well could. Uh, lost in the Super Bowl to your Kansas City Chiefs with Garoppolo overthrowing Emmanuel Sanders. I believe it was Emmanuel work. Sanders. Got lucky there. That was a bad Chiefs defense, or at least below league average compared to what this defense is now. But on to the first game on Sunday, second of the two NFC divisional round matchups. Bucks at Lions, Detroit is six, six and a half point home favorite, total of 48 and a half. I mentioned earlier that I got, or I should get closing value on the Ravens Texans total, unless the weather script flips. But Got beat by the market a tad here. I don't think this line touches seven, but I bet bucks six minus one Oh five earlier on Tuesday morning, got it to six and a half at a lot of books on Tuesday afternoon. So could have waited, but I still feel good about my six bigger play for me than the total. And if you go back to that lions Rams game, everything went right script wise for Detroit. Now get back to that later on in my handicap of this one, but Rams still outgained Detroit 7.7 to 6.1 yards per play. And that was including the Rams going 0 for 3 in the red zone when it came to scoring touchdowns. Lions going 3 for 3 against a vulnerable Rams defense, which we brought up a ton last week. But still, are things going to go as well for Detroit against a Bucks defense that can stop the run? We'll see. And I'll get to that in a second. But go back to week six. Lions covered at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay coming off the bye. Lions were three-point road favorites, one by double digits. No Gibbs, no Branch. Lions' best coverage corner, Nickelback, and one of their most explosive, arguably their most explosive skill position player, depending on whether you want to consider that to be Amon Ross St. Brown or not, but Gibbs did not play in that game. Bucks, believe it or not, just below the Rams when it comes to offensive and defensive efficiency in the second half of the season. And I make this spread closer to Lions' Minus four. I'm not saying all the way down to three, which closed at for Lions Rams, but I don't see how this line is six, six and a half, especially with the Bucks being able to exploit the Lions secondary just like the Rams did. And Stafford, even though McVay's coaching decision to punt the ball definitely cost the Rams offensively and cost them a shot at getting the possession back to potentially win that game on that fourth down. Either way, uh, going back to the wild card game against the Eagles for the Bucks, Philly with a ton of missed tackles, most missed tackles by far in a playoff game so far in the wild card round. But 
The Bucks also accrued a ton of drops. I want to say eight or nine drops in that game. And the Lions are running a ton of man coverage. Seventh most man coverage in the back half of the season. Cam Sutton is not a man coverage cornerback, or at least that's not where he's at his best. Going back to his Steelers days, playing more so zone. And Baker Mayfield, top 10 passer rating against man coverage, below average against zone. So matchup, definitely suitable for Mayfield to have success. Also, Jared Goff. 28th among qualified quarterbacks in pressured, catchable pass success rate. And the Bucs blitz at the third highest rate in the NFL. You look at this Bucs secondary, how well it's played ever since Carlton Davis got healthy. Jamel Dean was excellent against the Eagles, despite the fact that A.J. Brown didn't play. Bucks top five in EPA per carry allowed since week nine. So I don't think the script is going to be there for Detroit like it was against the Rams, which I touched on. I like the matchup for the Lions or for the Bucks to at least keep this one within six. What say you, Mel? I'm leaning your direction with the move now. Um, <clears throat> I definitely would bet the Bucks at seven. I'm a little bit surprised by the strong early Detroit move. I, I thought the opener was good. Uh, five and a half was where I thought this one should be. So now at six and a half, I'm starting to get interested in the Bucks. I think I would want a seven though. Obviously, like that's like silly to say, but I but I'm saying I might not bet it at six and a half. This th- you do have a similar mismatch to what we talked about with the Rams on the outside here, where these Detroit outside corners are poor and, and that's that's where you need to attack this team. They're strong in the slot with Branch, CJ Deuce. It was crazy to see them just like not make any sort of adjustment in that spot. Or maybe they tried and they were just that bad that they couldn't because Puka made absolute mincemeat of their secondary. But at the same time, that's why I bet like Cooper Cup under because I was like, okay, he's going to be in the slot a bunch matched up against the better Detroit players. So that might be a way to attack this game as well. Just look at like hitting some outside receiver overs Inside receivers, yeah, slot guys, maybe fire under on them. Tampa Bay, just the thing is, they're just going to need to get everything through the air because they can't run the ball. They can't run the ball as it is, and they definitely aren't going to be able to run the ball against Detroit. I mean, Detroit, very strong against the run, and Tampa Bay is really poor at blocking in the running game. Um, They just, they need to coach like they coached against the Eagles, which they were very aggressive in that game, rightfully so, and, and just not coaching like they were needed to run on first down and this was like some sort of rule in football like they did for a lot of the regular season um a lot of this game is just going to come down to you know up front both sides of the ball basically baker under pressure we know he can make really big mistakes at times we saw him make some ill-advised throws against the Eagles. He had at least one over the middle that should have been picked. It makes sense to me, similar to Jared Goff, that he does struggle at times against zone coverage because just not seeing guys slash trying to fit the ball into too small of a window. I think it's more so on Goff just not seeing guys at times. And for Baker, I would say he probably has too much confidence in his arm, tries to make too many throws that aren't there. Um we did see Stafford make some amazing throws at times to, to keep that game within reason and end up covering that game. I don't know if Baker can make these throws. I mean, he took some really bad sacks against the Eagles, like sacks where you see the pressure coming multiple seconds in the pocket. You just can't be taking sacks in spots like that. 
At the same time, though, Bucks dropped a lot of explosive. Yeah, I was going to say that. So that's predictive. I think with this team, though, they they sucked this year at catching passes. I mean, many games where I watched the Bucks, I, I thought Baker's pass catchers let him down in multiple games. I thought he had a really good season, probably way better statistically that than he did statistically, to be honest, because there was multiple games where I watched with very costly drops by Bucks pass catchers. And it wasn't any one player. The, I'm, I'm going to use the word credit, but it's not credit. It's the opposite of credit. The discredit was spread around in that sense. Like I saw it from everybody pretty much dropping high leverage passes. Tampa Bay does have the muscle up front to battle with this Detroit offensive line. We saw that against the Eagles. I was impressed by how strong they looked pushing pockets and even like blitzers coming in and being able to beat some of these linemen. Jalen Hurts was in a lot of collapsing pockets and I definitely did not expect it to be that bad, but it really was. We know golf is terrible under pressure. Um, he loses and this is not me just like, throwing out uh, an exaggerated number. These are real numbers. He loses 42 points of PFF grading under pressure. That is insane. And he's loses 20 versus the blitz. I think that's real. Uh, I think we've seen that from him for years. He has to be on platform. He has to be in good pockets. He has a tremendous arm, but when you make him move, when you get him off schedule, we see stuff like we saw on that one play where they, he basically just chucked the ball lateral to alignment or whatever that was. I don't know what that was, but that was horrific. And that sort of play will cost you big time if you do not rein that in. But I feel like with all, all that I'm saying, I'm, I'm wondering if I'm talking myself into an under, cause I, I do see pass for both defenses to have some success in this game. So I guess I'll be looking at under, I'll be looking at, Bucks and see where the market keeps moving. On to the final game on the divisional slate, the best. And whether it's script-wise, if the NFL wanted to cap off divisional weekend with an elite, elite game, this is a Chiefs at Bills. Juiced minus two and a halfs in Buffalo's direction, flat threes as well. Total between 46, 46 and a half, open 46. Keep in mind, I'll let you start off the handicap, Mo. Where are you going? So this game did reach three. It was three, I think, pretty much everywhere. Uh, Sharp slammed the Chiefs. Either Sharp slammed the Chiefs because they like the Chiefs or because they want to hit the Bills harder at two and a half. So we'll see. I think the move is right, though. I I think the Chiefs are the side here. Money line, I think, is still good. You can find plus 125, I think, or plus 120 at least. Because this market is telling me the Bills are a better team than the Chiefs. I don't think they are, but I acknowledge it's close. And you add in the fact that the Chiefs have a major rest advantage in this spot. They played the earliest game or the second earliest game, and the Bills played the second latest game two days apart. I know the Chiefs have to travel, but that's a pretty big edge, especially when you look at this Chiefs coaching staff, which has historically done tremendous work with extra time to prepare. Andy Reid going back to his Eagles days, legendary record with extra time to prepare. I think that helps the Chiefs quite a bit. And just looking at these teams, I don't know if the Bills are a better team. This is also, I mean, it's not to the extent of Miami, but you have a slew 
of injuries on this Bills defense. It's just, it's all three levels basically, but especially the back seven and a, a Chiefs team that I think we've seen is just willing to mostly abandon the run, which I think is right. Obviously, when you have Patrick Mahomes, January Patrick Mahomes, I think people are seeing, okay, yeah, this is real. Like, it's a different story with this guy in January. He can be doldrums all year, and he's still terrifying in January. They ton of passing versus Miami, and they were already, I, I think, number one in the NFL and pass rate over expected this year. Um, I think... So last time these teams played, like obviously the Bills come out with the win in Arrowhead, but I thought the Chiefs outplayed them. They outgained them by quite a bit. And Over then you obviously, play. And you obviously had that play at the end that may, may, may have cost them the game. But but at the yeah. same time, that's like a cr- pretty crazy play. It's not like a play you're like capping for or <laughs> predictive at all. Um, <laughs> I think it was more in the sense of the more actionable thing that I thought well, they did, they just did a really good job against the bills offense after the first quarter. I mean, the bills just basically didn't move the ball after the first quarter and now no Gabe Davis, potentially that's going to be one to watch because this is such a one, like one dimensional passing game at times with overly targeting Stefan Diggs. I, I mean, Dalton Kincaid helps for sure. He's been really good for them. Kincaid and, and Shakir's, been, Shakir's been solid. So maybe I'm just overstating it, but I think this could be a big Josh Allen rushing game here. I, they the Chiefs have had trouble tackling Allen at times. The tackling overall has been very good for the Chiefs, but man, he's just such a monster, and it is going to be cold weather. And you do have a Chiefs team that has struggled overall against the run. I think that's one way to fire a prop in this game. See what Josh Allen's rushing numbers are looking like, especially like I said, without Gabe Davis, that even more so makes me think they're going to be running the ball. See, I think I, you'll get a better number with James Cook just because at least if you're looking juxtaposed to the wild card round, no rushing touchdown against Pittsburgh. Just looking at it from that perspective, not a huge output. You go back to that Chiefs game in week 14, nearly six yards per carry. You alluded to this. Kansas City, one of the worst teams in the NFL when it comes to explosive rushing plays allowed. So I think it sets up well for Cook. Maybe maybe it is Allen that winds up exploiting it, but at least the script is there for Cook. Yeah, I just continue to think, which I continue to think that just any time you take the ball out of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes' hands, you're just doing the other team a pretty big favor. And I, I think these I think these teams know that, you know? Even the Bills, which I think has a staff that has at times not done a very good job, um, especially Sean McDermott's game management in January has been pretty rough at times. So that could be another edge for the chiefs. I also think this bills defense, they don't have, I think power overpowering these chiefs tackles has helped a lot at times for some of these defenses that have limited the chiefs this year. I don't really see that sort of pass rusher on the bills. I think they're more of like a finesse group up front. So we'll see how that goes for the chiefs. They obviously had a tremendous break in the sense of like all of Miami's pass rushers going out. So maybe that's still a weakness that hadn't, hasn't gotten exposed in the postseason. I do. I just lean to the chiefs and I, the over as well, I think, man, who could have imagined a couple of years ago, like two, two years ago, I fired every alt number. I could, the biggest alt <laughs> number I could find on chiefs bills, which was like in the seventies and it went over, I think. So 
we're sit, we're sitting here staring at a forty six this year. I, I mean, that's crazy. But the but the weather is going to be good for offense in this game. Like looking at very little wind. I know it's going to be cold, but sh- should be good for offense. I think the total is a bit low. I, I know these offenses have been not what they were in the past, but I just still think January. These guys, we saw it last week. Mahomes takes over. Josh Allen takes over. I think we could see that again here. I think this is, believe it or not, you mentioned Allen and Mahomes being at the forefront, and rightfully so, of the script for this game. I think this is going to come down to which defense stops the run more efficiently or better, as surface level of a comment as as that may sound. And I think it's going to be Buffalo, or at least the Bills offense will be able to generate more explosive rushing plays. Also, over-under amount of flops when it comes to roughing the passer calls we see you hate these quarterbacks you hate i do them. i i genuinely hate josh allen and patrick Mahomes, potentially more than nick siriati at least when it comes to dumb roughing the passer calls and flags being thrown come on like i'm not even a bears fan when i say this justin fields can't get a roughing the passer call to save his life Tons of Bears games that happened where he just gets a shot to the head. Remember the the replay that kept getting showed over and over again against the Browns before halftime in that game. Hail Mary granted, so maybe the refs were like swallow the whistle, but he got hit in a big way in the head. He might be the new Cam Newton. He, I would agree that he does not get any calls. That I, I'm with you there. Right. By the way, speaking of quarterbacks that took a lot of hits, Robert Griffin III and Jay Gruden going back and forth on Twitter on Monday night. Rocks, if you didn't check that out, definitely worth doing so. Some trauma, to say the least, at least. On the surface, Gruden saying that Robert Griffin III, why is he calling Gruden out for not being able to protect the quarterback when it was Griffin III's fault? And they went back and forth. Fun conversation from a drama standpoint. But mention this off the top. So bets wise, bucks for me, under for me. Before we get to Lions, super fan Zach Telly, anything for you, Mel? Uh, I just would say I like the Chiefs, but I'm not sure how I'm going to approach this one. I, I think if you don't have a future like I do, I, I think the Chiefs is good. I'm thinking about hedging off my bills a bit here just because I do think the Chiefs is the side, but at the same don't time, let your I'm going to get in the way. I'm in a good spot because I'm like, okay, well, either I get a five-figure future ahead or I get the Chiefs in there. But it's also like I could go for a little bit of a middle here at three. I mean, at three, I think I definitely should, but you should. I'm not sure at two and a half. I'm not saying, by the way, just to preface, I'm not saying that Mo that I am betting the Chiefs at three, and therefore you, from my perspective, should bet the Chiefs at three. But I get it from your standpoint as a Bills futures ticket holder. Yeah, I, that's that's. I, I do think the Chiefs are underpriced, but I'm just not sure that I'm going to play it. But I, I I like the Bucks a bit too. Unfortunately, sorry Zach, but I do like the Bucks a bit above six. So we'll see how that one moves. But that would be my other other side I'm looking at for sure. And you can get all of our plays in real time in the Discord channel. Link is over at thelines.com, top right hand corner, uh, under for me and Bucks. Bats are already in. Without further ado, let's bring on Zach Tilly, the director of social media over at thelines.com. Lions super fan. I think it says that in your X bio, Zach. So we want to know from you, what was it like being at Ford Field for first Lions home playoff game since the early 90s? 
and you take down your former quarterback to boot. Yeah, uh, I mean, thanks for having me on. I'm always happy to talk about the Lions, and uh, I'll happily uh, label myself and take the super fan tag. Um, you know, the uh, being at the game, uh, I was with some of my high school buddies that I've been watching the Lions lose with for, you know, 15, 20 years now, and we've been, you know, basically to hell and back watching this team lose, and so I was able to go. Um, I was able to get a ticket and go with with some of those guys that I've watched the game, that I've watched these games with for you know for years, and just you know I think obviously speaking, it was just uh, just a surreal experience being in the building. Um, the the fans as a whole were it just it just felt different, you know, and I think that's kind of how people would label this team just from the start of the season. Um, just everything that's going on. It just feels different. They, you know, there's a, there's a phrase in Detroit, the same old lions. Um, so, <laughs> you know, the lions have been winning games they normally would blow. And, you know, so long story short, I think it was just as a fan, as a super fan, um, <laughs> it was unbelievable being a part of that crowd and uh, Stafford coming in, was weird all week long, but once the game started, I think it was just football and just enjoyed thoroughly being a part of that, uh, being part of that experience. Did you and the boys have any wagers? And if you didn't, or even if you did, how nervous were you after the last punt when they got the ball back down one? I felt like they were cooked. So funny thing about the, about betting on the lions is I usually, will kind of stay away from like the side or total unless there's like a lion's two and a half number that I like that if I just think they're going <laughs> to, if I, if I think they're going to win, but a couple of my friends emotionally hedge, so to speak. So they, they, you know, put a small bet on the Rams just in case the lions lose. So they're kind of like either way I win something, you know what I mean? But That's um, I'm not, I'm not really of that mindset. I don't, I don't emotionally hedge. Um, but if I do see some props that I like, I'll play those. And I actually did hit a couple for that game. They had, uh, Aiden Hutchinson sack total at 0.25 sacks. Uh, so I took the over there at minus 120. And then just for fun, uh, I parlayed Goff's over yards with St. Brown's over yards, figuring that, either they would perform well and win or they would be in kind of that negative game script mode and have to throw, uh, you know, in order to come back. So either way, I felt like they were going to put up their numbers. And so that hit for me as well. Yeah, good props for sure. St. Brown didn't have a touchdown, but 80-plus receiving yards, I want to say, and the biggest catch of the game, converting and getting the lines a first down and being able to run out the clock after that. So you mentioned Stafford. From the beginning, Matt Stafford Boogate was something that was brought up ad nauseum, at least from the opening kick pregame. You kind of he heard it die down during the midst of the game as the Rams wound up, what, at least inching closer, not taking the lead down the stretch. Was Stafford booed in from your ears <laughs> at the stadium? I mean, to be honest with you, um, I did go back and review this a little bit, um, both kind of on the broadcast that I recorded and on Twitter. But 
entering the building for me, I was not like trying to rush to my seat to go boost Stafford in pregame or anything like that. That wasn't even on my mind. Um, but I think pregame was when, when people, what people are referencing when they heard most of the boos, um, whether it was when he was coming out of the tunnel and you know, when you're at a game, if you get there early, those guys go in and out of the locker room several times before kickoff. So I feel like every time he ran out, it was just another opportunity for the fans to boom a little bit if that's what they wanted to do. Um, but that's not why, you know, that's not why I was there. I was there just, I, I was all, you know, pro lions, not anti Stafford whatsoever. Um, but I will say that I think once the game started, it was, you know, like I kind of said earlier, it was just about the football game and the matchups and all that stuff and less about Sound like a coach. I mean, it, I, <laughs> it, it, it was, speak, it, it really was though, like just kind of more about good you know, less about golf Stafford and the storyline and more just about playing the game. So what do you expect is going to happen to the lions the rest of the way? And if good things keep happening slash even what happens this weekend, will you be in attendance for any more games? Uh, I'm not sure. I, you know, I kind of felt like, and the, the guys that I went to the game with, we kind of felt like this was the game to go to not knowing that the Packers would win and we would get another home game. But this was the one that we had to attack and go to because it was the first one, you know. So it's special because it's the first one since 1993 or whatever. And um, there's probably season ticket holders that are going to run it back and, and go on Sunday afternoon. Um, but I'll be, I'll be watching like I normally would, uh, just watching the broadcast. Um, you know, my expectations going forward, like I always tell people um, just even even last season, dating back to last season when um, they, they got off to their rough start and they finished really well. But the expectations around here are like, can we get to Thanksgiving and still be in the hunt? Can we get to that game and it's on, you know, a national uh, with with a national number one broadcast crew? And they put the graphic up on the screen and the in the hunt category is the Lions. <laughs> if that's a thing, then it's a successful season. So needless to say, this year, like I said, just it's been different the whole year. Um, they won the division for the first time since 93. And so they've got the home playoff game for the first time since 93. And so the expectations, I guess at this point, we've we've kind of exceeded those. Uh, from what they normally are, far exceeded those. And, you know, I'm just happy to watch one more game and we'll see how it goes. What I'm hearing is a little bit of a letdown for the Lions against it's the It's the opposite. I'm hearing uh, no pressure. Pressure off. I yeah, need no I pressure mean, on you, Tampa Bay. I mean, I, th I feel like both teams are in a similar spot. They're both above their expectations for what for what they normally would be or what you thought going into week one. And so it's kind of a house money game. Like if if either team finds himself in the NFC Championship game, then that's a heck of a successful season. You know what I mean? So that's how I feel about it. But last thing, because you were at the game against the Rams, Lions didn't cover, but they won straight up. So what's the win lost record for you and your boys attending a game? Because maybe this is the spot to fade Detroit 
if you bet them against the spread, he didn't cover. But if you bet a money line, they cash that. So what's your hit rate going to the Lions game wins loss wise? Uh, you know, I, like I said, I don't usually bet on the Lions straight up, especially uh, if, if it's a game like that, that I feel like it's kind of a toss up. Um, but I, historically speaking, going back to, you know, Stafford's days here, um, whenever I go to the game, something weird happens. Like I was, <laughs> I, I was at the Rogers Hail Mary game. Wow. Um, that was a Thursday night. I was at the Chicago. I was in Chicago for the Calvin Johnson, um, whatever you call that, complete the process game. Yeah. Um, so I've been to some, I've been to some weird ones. Um, but I've also been to quite a few wins. So if I had to guess off the top of my head, I would say that um, their record is above 500 when we're in attendance, I think. So So I like it. Lions historically below 500. This is a fade spot of Detroit because Zach is not going not to the there. game. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Thanks for coming on, man. Zach Tilly, the director of social media over at thelines.com. Super fan. And I will not be rooting for your Lions. They can win as long as the Bucks cover. That's all right. If the Lions win by three, then we both win, right? So there we go. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mo, are you in agreement that at least my Bucks bet you haven't fired on Tampa Bay, but Zach's win loss record speaks for itself. Detroit, well under 500 as a franchise. I think yeah, this is- that's the thing. When you compare it to their overall record, that's got to be strong. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> or maybe he just picks the maybe he just picks the games that Detroit's got a shot. Could you could imagine? Be selection bias could be selection bias. It could be selection bias. Process of elimination. I wonder what the pack. I don't even remember what the the Lions Packers spread was on the Rodgers Hail Mary. If that wound up being decided on the final play. Any I got nothing on that one. I only remember the Rogers Hail Mary against the Seahawks. The fail Mary? Or was it that was, the other side that Hail Maryed there? I don't remember, but I remember that mattered a lot because my buddy was furious. This was like pre-legal betting and like literally called his bookie and said he, he needed to shut his account down. If he, uh, if he didn't credit, if he, if he, uh, debited the, I believe he had the Hawks. He had which he had whichever was the bad side on the, on the fail Mary. So he said that, uh, cancel his account and he's never betting again unless they they take that away. Well, (laughs) clearly that didn't happen, but the spread, I'm, I can't find a point spread, but the money line odds were between minus 145 and minus 160. Packers won by two. So, oh no, they won by four. So they covered. They covered on the Rodgers Hail Mary. So definitely affected the spread. I can't imagine being a Lions fan and betting Detroit in that game and then losing on a fluky. I mean, that was incredible by Rodgers, but I digress. You've been to some great Chiefs games yourself. Did you bet on the Bills Chiefs game going back to a couple of years ago and the the overtime game where the Bills should have gotten a second. I told you every alt over I could find. Yeah, but you bet total. I'm talking points. Yeah. Spread. Okay. No, did not have a wager on the spread in that game. I just thought there was going to be millions of points and it did not look very good for <laughs> about three and a half quarters there and pretty furious finish. 
Talk about a backdoor over. My God. That's like the exact opposite of what everybody else was sweating. Something with the point spread, maybe a prop, maybe a, a live number on the Chiefs money line with 13 seconds. I saw a lot of people tweeting about that going back to that divisional round matchup. But I digress. You can find all of our bets in Discord. Link is over at thelines.com, top right hand corner. Play.thelines.com for our free contest where we're giving away Amazon gift cards on the daily, including for the divisional round, whether it's collective of the four games or game by game, first touchdown contests, really fun stuff over at play.thelines.com. Also, if you want to tail or fade our bets, bet MGM Sportsbook, you can use promo code the lines to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If your first bet loses about 25 bucks, you lose you get $25 back in bonus bets if it was indeed your first bet. Remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. And as always, terms and conditions apply. Mo, any last words on Chiefs Taylor Swift going to Buffalo? Has the curse been lifted, even though Travis Kelsey dropped a couple against the Dolphins? Yeah, I... That was a pathetic performance by Travis Kelsey, and I hope he brings it this week because the Chiefs will probably need it. But very excited for the game. Very excited for Patrick Mahomes' first road playoff game. I think it's going to be a dandy. So no matter what the result is, I think this is going to be a special one. I hope so. What are the what is the hotel scene like in Buffalo? Taylor Swift is going to take a private jet probably the day of, so it doesn't even matter. But I saw this funny meme on X yesterday saying that what Taylor Swift's hotel room would be like in Buffalo. And apparently the hotels aren't great. I tagged Brett Colson, our boss who lives in Buffalo in the X tweet, whatever you want to call it. And I don't think he was too happy about it because he doesn't like any criticism about his City are the hotels bad? I stayed with Brett when I went, so I got I got no perspective. So we, I can tell you that the the Brett Hotel is amazing. Okay, so Taylor Swift can go stay at Brett's house, is what you're telling us. Yeah, I mean, if she had the entire house to herself, she'd probably feel okay. I mean, a little bit under usual, but really cute cats. So if she's into cats, (laughs) can't beat it. I think Donna Kelsey is into cats. Donna Kelsey looks like a cat woman, cat lady. I think I'm, I probably have the same read as you. Okay, glad we're on the same page. Hopefully our bets go as positively, at least for the Bucs, because that seems to be like a play that Mo and I are on the same number on. Maybe he gets Bucks plus six and a half, but either way, both looking to be on Tampa. So hopefully a positive read in that regard. But for Monoir, you can follow him on X at Monoir2Ws. You can follow me at Eli Herskovich. Follow the lines at the Lions US. Thanks for watching and listening to this divisional round betting preview. We'll have a new episode on Thursday with Brad. I'm struggling to pronounce his last name on the fly, but I'll say Brad from PFF, and you can guess on what his last name is. He'll be joining us to break down the divisional round betting preview for our Thursday finale of Beat the Closing Numbers. So for Mo and for myself, Eli Herskovich, thanks for watching and listening to another edition of Beat the Closing Number. So long, everybody, and good luck on your bets.